Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 4020 Podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm c- I'm kind of exhausted. I'm kind of exhausted. Kind of exhausted or <laughs> or actual exhausted. You look pretty good given given what you've told me. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh I mean kind kind of. Yeah. I, I'm kind of exhausted. At least it's Sunday. Yeah, you, know, you only have a whole work week to look forward to. And I didn't really have to do anything today. Today was just sort of uh recover, recuperate. Uh but yeah, I I, I did get house last night after the Oregon the Oregon basketball game. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was actually a, a little too housed. Uh, uh-huh. uh, so like a, a enough house that I don't really remember getting home. Mm. Yeah. And, and then I woke up and ran 10 miles this morning. Jackpot. That's the best way to clean <laughs> that system out. Just, they always say sweat it out. No, that doesn't work for me. I, uh, I just, I need to lay and wallow. The one thing I do remember is from being at the house last night from getting home is I did remember to take four Advil and four Tylenol. I just, a couple tums? I just I took yes, I took I took everything and just <laughs> with a giant glass of water. Yeah. And then passed out. Do you do the Pedialyte? Uh I have. I don't really like the way it tastes. Well neither do I, but I also don't like being hungover, so yeah. you know. You got choices in the world and Yeah, no, I was I was actually pretty good today. I wasn't hungover. I was just sort of uh I was just like day after having drank way too much so i had a boss uh i don't know he's 15 20 years older than me and we went out drinking one time and uh on the way back we were walking back to our hotel and i stopped at a 7-eleven to pick up pedialyte and he's like what are you doing it's like bro what am i doing (laughs) i'm saving my life right now and i explained it to him and i went to his house a couple weeks later and he and his wife both had a marked like their bottle of Pedialyte for just in case like yeah. when they got accidental drunk they yeah. would be it goes in the Pedialyte it, right up it and, goes in the liquor cabinet yeah yeah so uh how are you well I'm tired I switched uh, sides of the week so usually I work four tens and I am on my fifth ten in a row because I'm working on the other side of the week so that's okay powering through powering but through doing well we, we, you know we have a newborn at the house so I was gonna be tired no matter what uh, but he's doing well. He's growing. He's eating. He's shitting. He's doing all the baby things that you'd expect a baby to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's not fun to hang out with because he, I really can't do anything for him besides like hold him and let him throw up on me and wipe his ass, and which are all important things for a dad to do. It's just it's not very much fun. So yeah. I've, I found myself playing with my four-year-old quite a bit more because he's fun. He interacts. Yeah, like he's cool to hang out with, and he says things like, let's bro out. You know, those kinds of things. So, uh, doing well. Good. Did not get housed last night. So, that's part of the other reason I'm feeling well is I'm not hungover. I, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, well, we've got some folks. We've got some folks on, on the line, and, and, I, and I'm kind of excited, so I'd like to just introduce but, them. Let, let's bring it in. Let's, let's start the party. So, so uh, Wes and Colin, are you there? Yes, we are. Can you hear us? I, I can. I can yes, hear you. Yes, we can. So, awesome. Uh, Wes and Colin of Notice Watches, welcome to 40 and 20, finally. I know, we've been trying to make this happen for years. Yeah, we've been talking for a long time over Instagram about uh, us coming on the show. So thank you for finally getting us on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so you guys are in in Los Angeles, correct? Yeah, yeah, we're in LA. Okay, and uh, and what's the weather like? Amazing, as it is the entire year. 
Yeah. <laughs> Can't complain. Yeah. It chilly well, it actually, 74 actually, degrees actually, right guys, now. It's, it's really cold. It's uh it's about like 60 degrees. Oh jeez. <laughs> that sounds uh, terrible, Colin. You got to get the thick jacket out uh and the scarves and the and the boots and everything. So, uh I don't know if you guys heard I don't know if you heard me say I ran 10 miles today this morning. Uh yeah, I don't I'll say it a couple more times throughout the show. But when I when I was done, I was wearing gloves cuz it's it's cold enough that you need gloves. And I was wearing, you know, socks, normal running stuff. And I, I had to go outside after I got home to wring everything out, uh, to to wring out all my clothes, like I, a gallon of water that I was carrying on my body. I had to wring out my shirt today after work. It's real rainy, real yucky, and forty degrees, and really cold. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're we're jealous of your weather. Everett, are you are you Iron Man? Because damn. Uh, because I, because I drank and then ran. You, yeah, come on. That's, that's, <laughs> it's that's reckless true. is what it is. Yeah, it's reckless. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, no, it was actually probably really embarrassing looking. All of it. Flailing. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying a little bit. Start, Fortunately, it's raining. So starting at about nine o'clock last night, it, it, <laughs> nobody wanted to see any of that. Are, are you a big runner? 10 miles is no easy feat, man. You, you can't just do that. You have to build up. It's like there, it requires real training to get up to that. Uh, I think most people could fake a 10-mile run, but uh, I do run. It, fake a 10-mile run? Yeah, I think you could fake it. I, I mean... I know people who've, who've just got up and run a marathon before. It's not good. Yeah, you can't really fake a marathon. I mean, that's... It, people die when they do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What, 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 was your, uh, what was your mile run back in high school like? Uh, I did, I did a, uh, 5k. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't run a lot, uh, in high school. I, I wasn't really a runner at the time. I was a swimmer, but I did 5k. I did rank cross country. My 5k time, I think was, uh, high 17s. 5k. That's, uh, that sounds like my mile run. Is that, that's two <laughs> miles. Yeah. That's horrible. You could walk that man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. There's just, I don't. I don't know any reason why he'd run run ten miles, it, but I try to yeah. talk Andrew into running with me, and he just he won't do it. I don't. No, I won't. <laughs> running is for survival only, not recreation. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, and, and, and in any in any environment where I'm going to need to run, I'm going to be faster than at least someone around me, or I'm alone, in which case I'm dead. Problem solved. <laughs> <coughs> well, so gentlemen, we brought you on the show today because we uh we wanted to talk about some new watches that you guys have in fact we have got one of them here in our hands andrew has spirited it away and it's been uh it's been on his wrist all week but i'm gonna have it here for a couple days before this thing has to move on um but but we've got your we've got your new skin diver watch your sector dive watch mm-hmm. and this is so being what do, guys, what do you guys think you uh you guys enjoying it i i would say um you you should just leave it with us because I don't think anybody else is going to want to see this. Yeah, these are ter- these are yeah. terrible. You guys should give it up. I would just I would you cut s- the, your losses on this one and <laughs> and just move on. So uh, let me uh, let me interrupt you guys real quick just to explain to everyone who's listening how all of this came about. Uh, I, I, it must have been over a year ago now, but you guys did an episode talking about watches that kind of fell out of fashion, um, and, and we're not talking about specific models. We're talking about styles of watches. And one of those styles was the skin diver. And you guys, I remember we're having a lot of trouble thinking of skin divers that are modern day skin divers, right? I mean, we have like the 65, we have uh, a skin diver reissue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
a lot of the traits that they had didn't really have that much in common with the traditional skin divers. So that's kind of what started the uh, the, the snowball um, for us to want to put something out that actually represented a lot of the things that old vintage true skin divers had. Uh, so we owe you guys a huge thanks for starting that, starting the ball rolling on that. And you know when you when you told me that I thought gosh this is just the most fun thing in the world and to have that watch to be looking at it to uh, have worn it show up in the mail was was pretty neat uh, you, yeah. you know obviously we didn't do anything besides uh, make a bad podcast um, <laughs> where where we talked about nonsense mostly uh, but to to see the evolution of you know that conversation has uh, it, been pretty special um, I will say my first reaction in taking this thing out of the box is that, you, you know, we've had uh, a, a Trieste in, we've had a Contrail in, mm-hmm. we've had an Avalon in. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have we seen? It, it, that's that's like the catalog, right? Um, no, we've seen one well, more. We'll get you guys a uh, duality. That would, the, oh, yeah, the, we had a duality. Uh, no, I don't oh, think yes, I don't think we have seen the duality. We have. It came with the Trieste and the Contrail. No, it wasn't out then. No, it, it wasn't out then. Are you sure? Yes, because we had three, that and then we had the Avalon. Then. Yeah, the retrospect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we'll, we'll we, have a we'll have a duality sent out to you guys once it's ready. We cannot wait. Pong. Does it, it does it have to come back? <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk about that often. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my my first reaction when taking this thing out of the box is. Um, and and we'll, we're going to ask you guys to talk about this in length, but how how uh, all of the tolerances, the machining, the finishing uh, is just next level. I assume that the duality has similar finishing quality as um, these sector these sector watches, but it seems like each watch you know you've, that you've come out with. Has has been a, a, a significant step up in terms of quality finishing um, and, and overall fit and finish. Is this is this approaching the final evolution of that? Or I think the interesting thing about this kind of work is that it never really stops. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, no matter how good we get, there's always going to be something we can improve on. Uh, at least in terms of the quality, at least. Cole and I have actually had discussions about what happens, <laughs> like what what's our contingency plan when we find that our our designs are kind of plateauing, like we hit our our cap on how good or how wide our market can be in terms of our our design. We don't really have an answer, but at at least we know that the quality is something we can always be working on, whether it's the the style of brushing or the transitions between the different finishings or the tolerances, there's always something that can be improved on. So as far as quality goes, we can, you know, there's, there's no ceiling on how far that can go. And and so you guys have, I've heard you talk about this a number of times, but you sort of have this three tiered approach to, to notice the, right. The, the product, the, the brand, and then the business side. Am I getting those right? Yeah. 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 And, and so, and so we, when we're talking about these finishing uh, details and the brushing details, is that that's in the? I assume that that would be in the product side. Yes, yeah, that's correct. And okay. obviously, there's a bit of overlap, I think, between the three that has to be addressed. But for the most part, yeah, when we're when we're talking to our engineers, uh, that all really falls into product development. 
So let's talk a little bit about the sector, what what it is, because this is not it's it's not one watch now. Uh, rather, it's two watches. But eventually, I understand it's going to be four watches: um, the pilot watch, the dress watch, the the and the and the field and diver, which have just been uh, just been sort of rolled out. Um, tell us tell us about that idea. Tell us about how how that came to be, and and besides the obvious, where where you're going with that. Um, I think, so it all started with a case. Um, Wes and I, we designed a case that we just both really, really freaking loved. Um, it just had the right curves. It had the right um, contours and the right, um, you know, just the right shape for um, different styles of watches. And then we also really loved different styles of watches, but like we're not comfortable just making them from the ground up. Therefore, we had this 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 idea that maybe we could just take this one mid case, and then make different types of watches out of it that you know were not our typical bread and butter type of watches, dive watches. So we would make a field watch, we would make a a dress watch, a pilot watch eventually. So um, that's that's pretty much how it started, right? Like, uh... yeah. To add on to that, the example that Cullen gave me when we sort of started the whole design process was Grand Seiko. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because pretty much all their mid cases have the Grand Seiko look. You know, yeah. like you could have the divers, you could have the the dressier pieces, but they all kind of are, are all based on the same DNA. And that was what Colin wanted to try to achieve. He wanted to have a watch DNA that underlies the entire family of watches. Um, but it needed to be perfect for every single style, which is that was really what the challenge was. So we had to pretty much design everything in the beginning just to make sure that it worked with all the different styles of watches. And um, for us, because our specialty is dive watches, the limiting factor that we thought would kind of hinder that that progress was the fact that, you know, now nowadays people think dive watches need to be two to 300 meters of water resistance. Sure. And, uh, and, and that's sort of when I thought back to that podcast that I listened to. And I, I mean, I still remember listening to that podcast you guys did. I was in the gym and I had to pause it just to text Colin. I was like, yo, listen to this podcast. These guys are talking about skin divers and they're having trouble thinking of a skin diver. Can you think of a proper skin diver? So that kind of gave us the uh, the affordance to say, all right, now we can still make a diver, but it doesn't have to be the two to 300 meter water resistance. And that type of uh, specification can be applied across the board for dress watches, pilot watches, and field watches, mm-hmm. uh, as we can see Grand Seiko doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure if you guys if you guys know our approach to how we run this business, you probably know that we're fanboys of Seiko and Grand Seiko. So yeah, it's just no completely reasonable. Stop talking about it. I, I love that you um, <clears throat> that you're talking about the DNA of your watches, because that's something we we talk about a lot is you can you can look at a watch from a distance and almost immediately pick out the the brand that it was born out of. <laughs> with some brands right yeah no. with, with with the brands that are really true to them and and i think that's really evident in this it has all of your guys's dna for this this whole family of watches and i i i like that you're staying true to that you're not trying to um go in every kind of wild direction and trace and chase the trends that are that are out there you're you're sticking with what you're doing well and you're growing from that I almost spilled my beverage. Uh, you're growing from that because I'm really animated right now. Um, you're growing from that point of what you guys are doing exceptionally well, 
and and growing from there as opposed to just taking a piece here taking a piece there um i i really appreciate that you guys are staying true to your to your design aesthetics and to to your passion for for design well, and so let's talk a little bit about the number, the 150 meter uh, water resistance number. Is, is now is that a is that a, a water resistance figure that's going to be present in all four of the uh, sector watches? Um, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Okay. Okay. I guess we can leave yeah, it at that because <laughs> a, a lot of well, a, a lot of the water resistance, and I think this is something a lot of people don't know about watch engineering. But a lot of that water resistance comes down to the crystal. It's not really in the design of the mid case or the case back. It's mostly in the crystal, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, so far, the crystal that we're using is uh, we're we're calling it a tapered crystal, and it it, it works with the current two designs that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't have the actual prototypes for the, the dress and the pilot yet. So we're not sure if we're going to keep the same crystal. It might be less. It might be more. We're not sure yet. Are you guys going to go really traditional dress or are you guys going to go dress sport with that, uh, with that dress option? Um, probably definitely towards the, the grand Seiko side of the mm -hmm. uh, dress watch. So definitely it's, it's going to be sporty. Um, mm -hmm. it'll be more like a. It'll be a sportier, sportier Sarb actually. So Sarb 33, Sarb 35. Um, it'll be a bit sportier than that, but it'll be just as water resistant. Um, so at least 100 meters. Um, but like the whole dress um, aesthetic is honestly, it's it's not very versatile. It's um right. it's kind of outdated. Mm -hmm. right. So we want to make sure that it's a dress aesthetic that can be used in everyday life, not just like with a suit, you know. You guys are talking our language right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So it's still in the works, but uh, we're pretty confident that we can make something that uh, is quite like formal, but at the same time um, versatile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about these last uh, two sets of watches: the duality and the sector. I, I've heard you guys discuss um, your sort of main line watches. So so. I think it's the Avalon. Um, I think it's the Trieste, and I think it's the Contrail, or, or or maybe I'm getting one of those wrong. But but you have this idea to keep three watches sort of as your staples and always in rotation. Is, is that still the case, or is that or are those ideas evolving? So it's the, the Trieste is a bit of a different story. The the Trieste was kind of our way of testing the market. It's not what we would consider part of our core lineup. So it's it the really, retrospect instead of the Trieste. Yeah, yeah. So the retrospect was actually our second watch that we ever put out. Um, so we're, right now we're coming up on three years of, of being in business. So it's still a little bit early for us to really have a, a, you know, a very strict output. But so far what we've been trying to do ever since last year was we want to have three new releases at least per year. Wow. Um, but it, it's not going to be like we're going to put a watch out, let it sell out, and then never make it again. I, I don't think that really makes sense for what we're trying to build with Notice. Um, but we're going to introduce it, see how it does, and we're going to make tweaks based on the feedback and, and sales figures, bring it back with improvements. And we we do want it to be a core part of our lineup. So the retrospect is going to stick around. Uh, the Contro, the Avalon, the Duality. These, these are all watches that we want to keep in under the notice umbrella. That's not to say it's always going to be in stock. You know, like the sure. Avalon, it might sell out tomorrow and it might not come back for a year or two, but it's going to be 
you know, one, one of the pillars of what this company is. I, I like that. I, I like that. That's hard on consumers too, right? When there's a watch that, oh, you should get one of these, but they've been, they haven't been making them for 10 years. So good luck finding one. Uh, right. I, I like the idea that there's going to be, there's always going to be the uh, ability to know in the future that that watch you want is going to come back and it's going to, and you're going to be able to buy it from, from you guys in this case. I like the idea of the spring catalog and the summer catalog and the fall catalog. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like that idea. Spring is, you know, coming to you spring 2021 and then, you know, fall 2021, having that idea of it's coming back and, and that revolving door of, of growing and developing and tweaking and coming back to things as you, as you just revolve through them. That's that. I like that, that marketing strategy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I also have to say something about the design process. It's really difficult in the beginning when we're coming out with a new model to kind of formulate what this is going to look like, right? What, what, what's going to make this watch a notice watch, but once it's out and it starts getting out into the world, it becomes very, very easy for us to just look at the comments on Instagram and on YouTube and make tweaks based on what people are saying and what they're talking about uh, in, in regards to whatever model that uh, that's being reviewed or, or uh, whatever's in the photo. So for us, we, we definitely want to have a regular output just so that we can get regular feedback and you know evolve based on what people are talking about. What, what, what people want. So, yeah, exactly. So aesthetically, I see uh, aesthetically, it, it seems to me that the uh, duality and these and these sector watches uh, are, are significantly different than I, I think the Contrail or the Avalon, perhaps. Uh, and, and not in terms of branding or anything, but it seems like this is a, a real evolution in um, what you guys what you guys are going to be putting out in the future. Am, am I am I picking up on something that's not there or is, is that a thing? Um, well, the way I want to try to think about it is it's a bit like how when Star Wars first came out, it was episode four, five, six. So you kind of already knew from the beginning that there's going to be a little bit more to the story than what you're watching. Right. Sure. Right. Right now with, uh, with what we have out, it's, it's cool. Like it, it's a cohesive design. I, I, I like to think it's a cohesive design in, in all the models that we do, but it's really just part of the story that we're trying to tell ultimately over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, and I think over time you're going to start to see a few design elements uh, come back in, in, in ways that make sense, right? It wouldn't make sense, for example, to put the Avalon handset on the Contrail because the whole point of the Avalon handset was to be big, wide, readable, whereas a Contrail, we wanted to be a little bit more uh, refined and have a bit more finesse to the look, right? But you can still see the shape of the contrail indices and the hands. It does make a comeback on the duality, not in the same kind of treatment. Like the the um, the duality is a, a applied plus sandwich style, whereas the contrail has a few more cuts out here, 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 and there. But for the most part, the shape of it is the same, and the shape of the handset is the same. That is us trying to channel the same kind of aesthetic, the same kind of refined, uh, dressier aesthetic that we had on the contrail, trying to channel that into the duality. You actually see the same handset shape, but not the same color sure. on the sector series. Mm -hmm. Sure. <clears throat> when it makes sense for us to come out with another professional dive watch that's not the Avalon, you might see that same thing come back. You know, um, but it's again, it's all just part of a small part of a larger story that we want to tell over the next ten to twenty years. I, I, I like that the the idea that 
that uh, you guys are you, you guys are programming programming that DNA and and developing your story, although it's not a story exactly, but developing that in a deliberate in a deliberate fashion. I like it. Could you talk right, to yeah, us so, a little? So you might you might not see that consistency right now because of how young we are, but over time we hope that you know, like like the goal for us is to eventually keep on bringing things back that people like and things that we decided on consciously to have a, a very specific purpose. We want to bring those things back. And I think over time, people are going to start to see that. Could you talk to us a little bit about what your design process looks like? So, so we can, we can start here with the sector. You guys had a, a nothing. You guys started from the ground up. What does that design process look like? What's that collaboration look like? You're really turning me down. I thought you were about to mute me. <laughs> well, yeah. So I just want wondering what that what that process looks like for you guys. Uh, I think first of all, it starts with um, a lot of beer. Yeah, that helps. Uh, <laughs> Lube it up. Speaking of beer, like what what are you guys drinking right now? Yeah, you Ooh. guys mentioned you're drinking beverages. I don't oh, know what you guys yeah. drinking. I, I'm drinking because Everett, you know, he's not. So I'm drinking some uh, famous grouse blended Scotch whiskey, and I'm gonna owe you a handle of Ooh. this if I'm not careful. <laughs> um, I, I, and I'm actually I'm actually dry tonight because because of yesterday's debauchery. <laughs> so what you what you have last night at the uh, at the game? Man, uh, there was there was a lot there there was a lot of different things. Uh, wasn't there? Th- there was some. I had some uh, bubble stash. Who Ooh. makes bubble stash? Who makes that? Well, what is that? Hop Valley. It is it Hop Valley. Yeah, okay, Hop that's Valley a Hop Valley stuff. IPA. I had okay. some. Citrus Mistress, also some more Hop Valley, Hop Valley IPA, um, and then we went to a bar. At the bar, I th- I believe I was taking shots of Pendleton, although uh, I cannot confirm that because I neither ordered them nor paid for them. Jackpot! That's the win- the real winner right there. <laughs> what are so, you What are you guys drinking right now? Because you got some good local beers in LA too. Yeah, there's uh, well, I'm drinking actually a Seattle thing. It's a uh, just the Elysian Space Dust IPA. That's one of the best so, beers on the market. Love it. It's it's deceptively strong. Oh, it's a like, puncher. Yeah. It just says IPA, so like you're thinking, oh, it's maybe six percent, maybe seven percent at most, but then you see it's like eight point two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's pretty much a double IPA, but it doesn't really say it that that it is. Yeah. So like when you drink it, you're like, oh man, I could have twelve of these, but you <laughs> cannot. <laughs> and I'm I'm actually taking a beer break. I'm drinking a George Dickel Rye whiskey. Ooh. So, um, 90 proof it's it's one of the more affordable whiskeys yeah um but it makes a great manhattan if, if you're into cocktails mm-hmm. makes a great uh, boulevardier uh which is just a negroni but you replace the gin with bourbon mm-hmm. i like to put this rye instead so oh yeah taking a bit of a break on, it does a good uh, old-fashioned too i have had that as an old-fashioned yeah 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 i think dickel is probably my uh preferred manhattan whiskey yeah nice. i gotta try that in manhattan Although yeah, I'm kind of a good. heathen, and I'll make a Manhattan with wild turkey too. Or vodka, just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> vodka Manhattan. Hey, as, as long as the wild turkey is 101, I don't know what you're doing with vodka, but if it's the 101 wild turkey, then that makes a great Manhattan too. Yes, sir. Yeah, and that's, that's what's in the in the cover right now. If the famous grouse goes away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. That's pretty much all we drink in terms of booze is famous grouse and and wild turkey. At least when we're here, because that's pretty yeah, much the yeah. only thing I keep. Yeah, your keto life is. Because I stopped bringing beer over. Because it's not that I was tired of ultra and uh, hard hard seltzers, spiked seltzers, but I was tired of Michelob Ultra and spiked seltzers. <laughs> 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 well, 
Well, well, so yeah, sorry. Um, back on track, the design process. I'm going to let Colin take this one, um, especially because we're talking about the sector, and this was really his brainchild. Was it? Man, I don't remember. It's your beer brainchild. That's the best kind. It's, it's blurry as hell, like like <laughs> thinking back to it, like when we started this and why. Yeah. I mean, when did we start this? It was over a year ago. Jesus, yeah, it was really? it over a year ago. Mm-hmm. But essentially, like, I guess how it normally starts out is we, we have a beer we, or two or three, and then we just, we have a concept that we want to, like, design. And then once that concept is, is, is solidified, we then go into the details. It's kind of like a sculpture. It's like, you start with a block, like a, you know, just like a nice big block. And then you just carve it down till, or you sculpt it down to something that that resembles what you want. Uh, and Wes pretty much uh, he does a lot of the small details, which we've mentioned in other podcasts. It's like we start with the concept and then break it down to small details, and then we come up with an end product. Uh, I think we did this the diver first, right? Because yeah, because that's what we're used to. Yeah, yeah. So it was easier for us to do that. But then we're like, we you know we need to start branching out into other styles of watches simply because, uh, well, A, the market is asking for it and B, um, like it's diver fatigue, right? Diver Mm -hmm. fatigue is a real thing. It was a real thing. Maybe it's coming back again. I don't know. And then C, like we need to challenge ourselves. Um, we've designed maybe like three divers already. So maybe we need to try something new. Um, be a bit uncomfortable with, with, with our design choices. To really push push the boundaries and then and then make something uh, you know fresh, mm-hmm. you know. So that's and so in the end we came out with the uh, with the field watch, and I think we came out with that. We we've we've finalized that before the skin diver. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did. So, and so when you when you started on this case design, you you were really deliberate with with knowing that it was going to be several different styles of watch with this case as it's as its foundation as the, as the heart of that collection yes <clears throat> yep that's, that's and, and so what was the what was the thinking on on doing that was it like a was it a manufacturing perspective or was it really just to create that dna for that family of watches as this is the foundation in the case and everything is going to clearly be related whether it be brother or cousin but still related by that case well it's it's a, actually it's a bit of both Mm-hmm. So, um, in in most cases, manufacturing is a much bigger hurdle because there's um, what's called an MOQ, minimum right. order quantity. Uh, we're not really limited by that. We don't work with OEMs, and o- OEMs are the ones that really put that limitation on factories. You know, for the for the most part, they say things like, "Yeah, you can only make five hundred to uh, three hundred, five hundred, a thousand. Like they they all have their own MOQs, but. For the most part, if you develop some kind of relationship and you foster it and they know that you're a long-term client, they'll be like, all right, you want to make 50 pieces, 100 pieces. Yeah, I think we can do that. Um, so for us, we wanted to make sure that we reduce risk, not so much in the number of watches that we're producing, but more so in the style of watches, right? Mm-hmm. Because our it's as our first field watch, um, I shit you not, man, like up until the day we actually launched it, we were nervous about the field watch. Uh, we were we were like, is it going to sell at all? Which color is going to sell better? Right? Do, like, do people want a field watch from Notice? Right. Exactly. And um, you know, within within a couple hours after I I hit publish on our website, Colin texts me and he's like, dude, we should have made more field watches. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we tried to be 
conservative in um you know that that's a thing about running a business like this where it started out as a passion but then it slowly evolves into an actual business we need to balance the two and that's it, it's a bit of a struggle for us because we don't know like we love the field watch and we've always loved it but we don't know if people are going to love it so you know we we produce less not not by a huge number but we do produce slightly less than the than the skin diver but when we launch it, the field watch fucking kills it, right? And and every single day we're getting a, a handful of orders for the field watch, and you know we we the the dive is still it's still selling, but not at the same rate as a field watch. So that's kind of why we kind of miscalculated it in that um, in regards to how many field and how many dive that we make. But it's kind of to be expected when we're doing something for the first time, because we saw the exact same thing happen with all of our other watches. Right. We uh, more so with the colors. Right. We're, we're like, all right, let's make a brown or a yellow or orange. And we really have no idea how it's going to perform. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important for us to issue all these all these new models really quickly, because then we can get that feedback. We can get that data and then we can move on from there to listen to what people are asking for. Um, but with in, in regards to the sector specifically, yeah, we definitely miscalculated, but it's not like it's not like we can't make more later on with the with the feedback that we get sure and, and you're able to tailor that based on based on sales yeah. the the ultimate data data point right yeah the i guess the ultimate data point should on on paper it should be sales which one sells the best but as a matter of fact i try not to track that as closely as i do um, you know, the more dynamic kind of feedback which is the comments that we get or the dms that we get or the emails that we get um that, in in my opinion, means a little bit more because these are the people that care enough to write out a paragraph about why they want an Avalon with a date or why they want a sector dive without a date at 4.30 and why it belongs at 6 o'clock, right? Like the people that care enough to go in depth and really explain to us their reasoning why we did something wrong and why they wanted to correct whatever it is that they, they want to buy, that to me says, okay, they care enough that they're actually going to put money down. Because mm -hmm. I can't, I can't start to tell you guys how many people comment or DM us. They're like, "Yo, you guys really fucked up the date, or you guys uh, messed up the <laughs> pantone." And then when we come back and and come out with a, a, a new, the you know, a new model with the correct pantone, do I see that name pop up in our invoices, or do they ever come back and and talk to us, say, "Oh, hey, thanks for listening to my feedback." Of course not. No. So, no. no. Yeah. Well, and you, you, so, so, so we need to have some kind of uh, system where we filter out the feedback that actually means something mm -hmm. and put that in one bucket and all the feedback from the bullshitters. We just, you know, toss that. Yeah, you got to balance that line between what is what is what the market is actually asking for versus what are the, the 50 loudest assholes who you can hear over everyone else who absolutely loves these watches and would change nothing about them. Exactly. And actually, the best example would be the date versus no date argument. And the only reason I say that is because I've asked pretty much every micro brand owner that you guys can think of the exact same thing. I asked them, what sells better, date or no date? And it's almost always date, even though the vocal minority are the ones that are like, can you guys just make a no date version? Just get a new dial, like, dick. Yeah, and then when we when we do a no date version like the Avalon, we see people coming back and asking for a date version. So it's like it's one of those things where you can never please both sides. Sure, we just need to stick to our guns, <clears throat> give up as as much as we can 
where it makes sense for the business, but retain as much as we can where it's still very much notice. <clears throat> so now, are you suggesting that someone has said they don't like the date on the sector? Um, yes. Give me his name and address. Yeah, I'll right. find him. We'll beat him up for you guys. <laughs> so actually, this is a funny story because we literally just talked about um, our, our friend on the podcast that we just recorded. Um, I made him a promise must have been like two years ago, but our, our original model, the Triest, had a date at 4.30, and I made him a promise that we're never going to do that again. Oh, yeah. You, and we you guys broke screwed that up. Promise. Yeah, we, we broke that promise, and we did it knowingly. And the reason why is because I thought specifically about this guy, and um, I knew that this kind of application would make him proud. And without even addressing it with him, I didn't. we, we didn't talk. We released the watch. I didn't send him any message. And... Sure enough, he placed an order for one, even though it had a day at 4.30. So I, I guess we made him proud. Is it because it's so subtle that he didn't notice it? Like, is he going to get it in the mail? And be like, <laughs> you motherfuckers! <laughs> <laughs> I, think, um, I, I think what it was is that he saw that it wasn't just an oversight. Like, it, it's, not, it's not like we just cut a hole in the dial to expose the date. We actually put a little bit of thought into it. We, yeah. to, to be honest with you, the original iteration of the sector dive did have the date at six o'clock but mm -hmm. that means we can't put the actual six there the the numeral itself so mm -hmm. it, it to us it looked like utter trash so we we're like you know what let's try to put it at 4 30 but let's do it right this time so shrunk the text size a little bit made it a porthole put that little chamfer there just to hide it as much as we can but when it's there you need it i i think that's kind of the secret to a good date window either it's symmetrical so it hides itself or you have to do something to it so that it's there when you need it, and it's not when you don't. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's really it's really well executed. So, uh, one other design element I'd like to ask you about, and um, when we had when we had the Avalon in, one of the one of our comments about it was we didn't we didn't love the fitment on the end links. Mm -hmm. um, the transition from the end link to the mid case really is is or or to the lugs. Um, and and we know that other people in the community have given us similar feedback about that watch. And uh, also called us assholes about that feedback. Yes, so people did call us assholes take about your that pick. feedback. Yeah. Um, here, uh, you guys have, I think, almost gone in the totally other direction. Instead of having a, um, instead of having, you know, uh, an ostensibly uh, uh, uneven transition the the transition from the end links to the case is so deliberate and so um painstakingly done uh tell us about that process because mm -hmm. i think i think it's the most deliberate part of the case i think it's maybe not the most obvious part of the case but when you really get into this watch uh it, it's such a deliberate application tell, tell us about how you got there well, as far as the Avalon goes, I think one of the big challenges with the Avalon is that the case itself is already very complex, not just in terms of um, the design, but the whole manufacturing process was pretty difficult. Uh, th you know, that's why it took us two years to do it. The whole point of that kind of that lip that overhangs, I think that's what you're talking about, right? The the lip in between the lug that overhangs a little bit. That the The whole point was to try to cover up if you're putting it on a rubber strap because we know that a lot of divers mm -hmm. after after talking to a few divers, we know that, yeah, bracelets are cool, but sometimes it does make more sense to put it on rubber or to put it on a NATO or something like that. So it was a lesser of two evils. We definitely could have made the end link fitment flush like it is on uh, on the duality, for example, but it made more sense in terms of a uh, function to 
have it so that you can switch out straps and still have it look, you know, some somewhat decent. Sure. Part For of the part of it uh, too was the was the transition on the inside of the lugs, and and I'm just trying to think back because it's been a while since we had that, but. Th- the the way that you've integrated the end links into the the case and it's not integrated by any means but the way that you've made those transitions such that this can go on rubber or nylon or this bracelet and it'll fit all of them perfectly mm-hmm. um you guys knocked it out of the park with that and and that was the only and we were in grasping at straws to find something we did not like about that watch and that was that was what we could come up with it's just that one tiny little piece, right. and, and it is wholly corrected. Right. I mean, I, and I appreciate that honesty. It really does help us, and um, you know, not not just from you guys, but from any, anyone that sends in messages. It really does go a long way. I think more so than people might think. Um, but moving forward from the Avalon, we knew that one of the things that we wanted to improve on was to bring our quality up. And that's not just in the way we make our dials and construct our dials and loom application, but it is in the things that are a little bit more dynamic, which for the most part, the case would probably be the most dynamic part of any, any watch, mm-hmm. right. Um, in, in terms of manufacturing. So the sector came after the duality and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't think I'm remembering everything, uh, accurately, but I think the duality came before the sector and we were super happy with the way the duality fit the 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 one that actually made it to production but what people don't know is that that's actually like the third or fourth prototype that we made the original duality had that inner chamfer that you see on the sector yeah uh, that's the, the almost like a twist lugs. almost like a twist mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's like a like a modern take on twisted lugs so the original duality had that but just because of how um how thin the lugs are it, it just it made it feel very dainty it didn't really make sense with the design of a watch that was meant to be a professional diver so we kind of got rid of it. it it made the proportions all sorts of fucked up but mm-hmm. on this sector again grand seiko that was the main inspiration for us wanting to have a a core dna that's super versatile and one thing that grand seiko does really well is adding all those crazy chamfers so you can have a very sporty case but you add a chamfer on the middle another brand that does it really well is monta right they have that yeah. inner chamfer on on the lugs and it makes for all intents and purposes a watch that's meant to be taken out into the field and beat up it makes it possible to wear something like that at a wedding or at a at, at a fancier event so it just the ability to dress a watch up that's way harder than being able to dress it down so that's mm-hmm. kind of what we were trying to channel with the with the sector it's not so much about capability, it's more about intent. And the intent for the sector was just totally different from the Avalon. You, you know, uh, I've heard you guys talk about your prototyping process in the past. Um, I know with, you know, some of the earlier watches, there was a two or three prototype uh, cycle. And then and then with with these sort of um, newer watches, I understand that, that that number has gone up quite a bit, four, four or five prototypes. What does that look like? You get a first prototype. I, I mean, what what types of things are you tweaking from prototype to prototype? The main thing about prototypes is that what you see on the 2D rendering or like what you designed in the first place really doesn't translate to real life. Like, and you really don't really get that until you get experience. Like, you don't realize you're 
decisions turn into like what your 2D, 2D decisions will look like in, in 3D in, in real life. Mm -hmm. So um, when we first started out, we would do multiple rounds be simply because we didn't have that knowledge or that experience. Um, for example, like the Avalon, um, it's pretty well known that like we went through multiple stages of prototyping simply because the case just didn't come out the way we wanted it to. And um, as well as the bezel proportions. Um, so essentially, what we're finding with every iteration of prototypes is uh, is that like the smallest change, whether it's like a fraction of a millimeter, changes the largest of things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that's quite hard to grasp at first. But once you get the experience and once you do it multiple times, you really start to understand um, how that affects your design process. Um, so is so, is the is the degree of prototyping being affected by your experience and your and your skill level in doing this? Uh, one hundred percent, I would say. Um, we're doing less prototyping now simply because we now know what to look for and we now know how to design around certain things. Whereas, like, if something if we design something in two D, um, say before if, if we design something in two D, we would think it would come out looking like that in three D, but it wouldn't. But nowadays, we now know how to um, how to go get around that hurdle and design something in 2D that will actually look like what it what it, it should be in in, in real life. Um, and that's you know something that we really struggle with in the beginning. But I think that's that's common with everyone who starts out um, designing products like this. Uh, but I can give you like an example um, of proportions and something that like didn't really work for us. And that was like the first iteration of the Avalon, where the first prototype that came out, it just ended up looking really bulbous and like a plate. Mm -hmm. um, and we needed to figure out why that was the case, because in 2D renderings, it looked perfect. But then you realize, you know, in real life on the wrist with three, three dimensions, it's uh, like there's more than just proportions it's, it's it's like lighting affects a lot of things for example mm -hmm. sure so you then you have you have finishing that that you need to take uh, take account for so like polished uh like polished edges on the bezel versus brushed um maybe even like a millimeter more of bezel material versus less like all of that stuff really affects the way it looks on your wrist in real life mm -hmm. and uh we've learned a lot from going through multiple iterations and uh, i think uh like now like we've we've kind of honed down on, on, on how to translate a 2D rendering into 3D, like, uh, accurately. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, uh, 2020, we're going to have, well, the, the duality was released in 2019, I guess. 2020, yes. we've, yeah. say it again? Yeah, it was, uh, it was released in 2019, so technically it's a 2019 collection, but we intend for it to be a stable for this year, and uh, like we really haven't even started the review circuit yet. I think Mike from Two Broke Watch Snobs has one, and then Average Bros on YouTube did a review, but for the most part, we haven't really promoted it yet. And, and so we've got the duality, we've got this two-sector, the field watch and the dive watch. Yeah. Uh, um, we have... Pending projects regarding a, uh, a a dress watch and a pilot watch are those 2020 releases or are those sort of end of year announcement rollout and then 2021 watches? Uh, no, it's going to be a 2020 release. We're going to get it out this year. Fantastic! Cannot wait to see this. Them. This is going to be a big year for you guys. 
Yeah, we try to say that every year. We 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 want to <laughs> every single year we want to kind of up the standard that we're uh, we're currently pushing. Anything besides besides these five watches that's that's in the kitchen uh, getting toasty right now? Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, like, is there bagel yeah, bites or something, or what's going on? <laughs> we're um we're gonna do a contrail too. Cool. Um, so yeah, so we did the contrail one. It was when did we come out with that? I don't even remember now. Twenty. It was twenty eighteen, the original one. Twenty nineteen, we did a second version with the one piece bezel. So now we're gonna redo the entire thing from the ground up to, for a proper. A reintroduction of the contrail um, and as we mentioned on our first episode of, of long roads we're working on a kind of kind of like a high-end luxury sport watch right we're thinking aesthetic. yeah aesthetic we're, we're looking along the lines of ap or patek um, but basically it has that look where it's not really a circular case it's kind of squarish or, or a gerald genta type yeah 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 exactly um upgrading the brushing Going to try to use our first Swiss movement. Uh, well, I guess technically our set. We use the STP 111 for the Trius. Again, it's a trial run. That's not our first watch. We don't want to talk about it ever again. But uh, just joking. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, we, we want to start using Swiss movements again. So we're currently in talks with a couple of, of Swiss companies about sourcing their stuff. Um, we may or may not do our first GMT, proper GMT. Again, we're talking to movement suppliers on on what we can get from them. Um, but for now, that's the plan. We're going to do the two sectors, the contrail. I think we're going to be able to get the GMT out. We have one or two surprises that we're holding back um, that we don't want to talk too much about. But it's not it's not like a totally new model. It's just kind of a limited edition on something that we've put out that we'll, uh, we'll talk about in probably like a month or two. Yeah. Cool. Yes, it's it's going to be a busy year, but it's not going to be any busier than last year's. We're going to try to maintain the pace that we have right now. Well, so one of our one of our predictions for one of our predictions for 2020 was that this is going to be the year of um, micro the, GMTs. The micro GMTs, and I know you guys aren't a big fan of that that word, but but we use it. Um, but you you know the boutique GMT watch, I think, is going to be a, a thing this year. So I'm excited to. To hear you guys are are throwing your hat into that into that ring. Yeah, it largely depends on the movement itself, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't have access to that many movements, and of the ones that we do have access to, there are certain design flaws that Colin and I don't really feel comfortable working with. Um, you know, and, and it's not like we worked with it before, but a lot of our friends in the industry that have worked with these GMT movements they've told us to try to stay away from it if possible and are we talking uh, like 2893 or 330-1 um th- these movements or or specific movements yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Th- those are actually the exact movements we're talking about only, and that's the only movement. yeah those are the only movements right. that we have access to but um you know i think what, what was the the brand that did the so proud one there was um so like another option that we've looked into that's quite intriguing is the um the new Soprod GMT? So like Mercer, um, they've been they're using it in their upcoming models, and then uh, Ocean Crawler has used it in one of their new models that the, that they just came out with, and then Okanoscar was like the first to use the the Soprod GMT movement. So I don't know like if that's 
I mean, that's obvious. That's a that's an option for us, but we don't know how reliable it's going to be, or we, there's just not enough data on it, like mm-hmm. whether or not to use it. Like, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so we've been talking about a GMT for a long time, but we haven't done it because we want to have a little bit more experience, kind of, you know, actually working with the movement itself, rather than hearing anecdotal evidence from uh, from some of our fellow micro brand owners. You you know, I really like that. Uh, I really like that Mercer GMT. Um... Mercer Dude, is one of the best, uh, I think, in terms of design, is yeah. one of the best micro brands that have ever been around. Uh, I, I know they they kind of pivoted; they're doing more leather stuff now. But in terms of just pure design aesthetic, like my God, they're fucking, yeah, they're, they're they're crazy good. The the new GMT that they have, I think it's called the Nomad. The Nomad, yeah. Um, it's 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 so nice. Like you you know it it does that it does that thing where uh it makes you feel really uh it, it feels really familiar um it feels really familiar which which you know i guess it that does. could be a, a an homage uh type of discussion but it's not an homage right or or maybe it is in the in the more um colloquial sense of the word but uh it feels really familiar and good but also new and different and unique i think because it's I, it's it is so simple there there's nothing that makes it stand out as a gmt it could just as easily be a three-hand kind of field inspired watch but they integrated a gmt into it and they did it super simply yeah i think they did a really good job like along the lines of the chris ward uh c65 uh gmt and the grand seiko uh sbgn like the, the 9F GMT uh, right, series, mm-hmm, right. where it's like an Explorer 2 homage, but like it's an homage in, in like, you know, in, in, in the truest sense where it's not a copy, but it's merely a tribute where it's it has some characteristics, but it's its own thing by itself. Yeah, it has its own identity. It's, yeah. been, inspi- mm-hmm. it's been inspired as opposed to actually aping the, the source material. Yeah, yeah exactly. like you got the steel bezel, like the black dial and the orange hand, but everything else is is quite different. So it's it's super awesome. I will say their white dial is called polar white. Hmm. Oh, okay. Sounds familiar. <laughs> well, it sounds like sounds like Rolex. <laughs> it is called it is called polar white. So, yeah. uh, well, gents, I hate to do this, but we're gonna have to sort of wrap up the conversation because we're gonna we're we're approaching getting long in the tooth tonight. Um, can I can I give you guys just a few minutes to to wrap on anything that you guys want to talk about? Yes. Um, so watch podcasts. They usually start with a wrist check, but I'm kind of curious what you guys are wearing right now. So let's uh, we can end the podcast on a wrist check this time. Well, Everett, why don't you start? I'm wearing I'm wearing a watch, uh, kind of a a newer company. Uh, been around for about three years. Uh, called Notice. It's a sector. It's the carbon dialed sector. Dive watch, it's fantastic. You can hear, mm-hmm. 120 oh, clicks. So yeah, I'm wearing the sector. Uh, Andrew was wearing the I, sector when he got here, and I was wearing an EMG Nemo. I have this thing where when I uh, record, I actually take my watch off. It's it's super bizarre. I'm rarely ever without a watch, but right as soon as we start recording, <laughs> unless we're recording a podcast, I take it off. Uh, but I so I came here and I I returned uh, your watch to to Everett. Uh, and I, uh, I've got on the the black EMG Nemo because Eric sent us the whole collection of Nemos, uh, barring the yellow. And I think it's because we already had the yellow, but we've got the whole color lineup. So I've got the black on. Well, on it's on my hand. 
I don't wear watches when we record. I don't get it. I don't. It's whatever. <laughs> so out of all the Nemos, I have to ask, which one's your favorite? You know, we were talking about that literally before we came into the office because we were just standing over them. We weren't even wearing them. We we're just hovering over them, staring. <laughs> and I um, I, I think I tend towards the blue. Hmm. And I think I'm a, I think I'm a Boba Fett man. Yeah. Although the white, the, the white, white's good. The white's really good too. So I think I'd like a, a stainless bezel on the white. I think that would. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd I think that'd nice. get it for oh, me. Yeah. I, I actually have a Nemo too. I have the yellow one, so that that's my favorite. Where, where is that? I haven't seen it in a long time. Chris I did not expect it. to like oh, the yellow yeah. as much as I did. I loved that yellow Nemo. I wore it a lot when uh, when he let us keep it for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we went to Mexico yeah, man, with mine, it. <laughs> mine is beat to shit. I uh, I sent it out, but yeah, you know, just for some friends on Instagram to play around with, but. Mm-hmm. Um, up until I sent it out, that was kind of the watch I was wearing for like three weeks straight. I love it. You know, I think between uh, between this sector and the and the Nemo, um, when people ask us what 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 dive watch for for an affordable an affordables collector, these two watches, I I just don't think that there's anything else. There really isn't right now for for guys like us. You know, with our taste, our you know, obviously. Divers come in many different flavors, but we both yeah. tend towards the smaller, more compact, um, you know, skin diver, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And I think these two watches, uh, the Nemo and and this sector, uh, you guys are, you, you know, between you and EMG, just I, I think you should own that market. Thank you very much. That means a lot. Um, as for what's on my wrist right now, I'm actually wearing the Sector Field Vapor on a uh, Erica's original, uh, sort of like the classic green with the yellow pinstripe. It's a yeah. great combo. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That that original paramilitary. And Colin, what are you wearing? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm wearing. I'm double double fist d- double wristing. Not <laughs> sorry, not double fisting. Double wristing. Uh, on my right, on my left wrist is the uh, the Seiko Marine Master. Um, it's the uh, MM300, the really thick, thick with two C's uh, uh, dive watch. It might even be three C's. Two thick girl. Yeah. Three C's. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm a skinny boy with two N's, so uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good uh, variety. Is good, good for uh, you know, good for life, right? Yeah, uh, that's a then, kill. Uh, that's a killer watch, by the way. It's mm-hmm. it's on my the next time I get hit by a car list. Oh, it's. Oh, I it's, I close my eyes before I walk into the road. Just in case, <laughs> just just on a hope. <laughs> and then on the other wrist is the um, is actually the prototype of the uh, Contrail Two. Um, so that's you know we'll just I'll leave it at that. How is it? Uh, it's good. It's yeah, it's, it's very good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you guys are prototyping, do you regularly wear two watches? The one the one you want to be wearing that day, and then the prototype watch. Yeah, yeah, we we try to wear the prototype as much as we can, uh, and then you know af- after a couple of weeks when we've kind of gathered our thoughts and you know uh, send feedback to each other, we do send it out to some insiders that you know they, they kind of lend their thoughts on design and quality. So we send it back out to these guys. It, it's a really small group of guys from Instagram that we met, uh, and if if you follow us on Instagram, you probably know exactly who they are, Cam Cam and Jake. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they lend a huge help for us when we're really trying to formulate what makes this watch special. So we wore it for a bit, send it out to them, get their thoughts, and then after that, we send all that over to our engineers and start production. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So 
this is the time of the episode where we transition into other things we like. I've been told by Colin that you guys have other things. Mm-hmm. We're going to kick Just it off. Couple. Andrew, sure. what's your other thing for this week? My other thing, as per usual, is a television show. <laughs> uh, and it is, it, this is, so this is the first time I've ever experienced this. I found a show that was streaming. I started watching it. And I liked it. And I watched a whole season. And I was like, holy fucking shit. I'm going to get into the next season and watch the whole second season. And then it ends. But it didn't end because the show got canceled. I have never liked a television show that got canceled before it ended. So I'm on this huge cliffhanger of (laughs) what's going to happen next. And it's over. And there will never be an answer. And the show is called outsiders and it was oh, yeah. one of wgn's uh, like first original shows and evidently it didn't do very well but it kind of had the um kind of sons of anarchy feel where you've got these anti-heroes but also kind of the justified feel where you're in uh appalachia and the whole conflict surrounds these mountain people who who live on the mountain and this coal company's coming in to blow the mountain and mine all their coal and it's the conflict between these mountain men who you hate but you also kind of love like a very anti-hero show which is the 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 trend of the time in in tv right now but the problem is that I really liked the show. The acting was good. The story got a little bit stale, but they they kept it moving, and it was just enjoyable. It was it was actors you recognized, even if you didn't know where from, uh, and I liked it. But now it's gone, and I will <laughs> never have resolution. And I'm the kind of person I need resolution to things. You should write fanfic. I I would like I've <laughs> suffered through shows I no longer enjoyed. For the purpose of finishing it, I, I watched True Blood, man. I watched all of them. That was good. True Blood was really good. I mean, I, I was deployed at the time, so I'm, that's my excuse. You watched it here. Um, <laughs> it wasn't good, it, not at all. Like after season three, you're just like, God, this is bad, but I'm gonna finish it. But <laughs> outsiders don't watch it because you're gonna like it and you're not gonna get resolution. Avoid it. It's on Hulu. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Did you ever watch that HBO series Luck? No, it was just one season, and it was really good. It was really good, uh, but they kept killing horses, and so they canceled it because what? Yeah, they kept killing horses. It was a it was a show about race horsing, uh, race horsing, race horsing, <laughs> horse racing. Is that a euphemism? Uh, <laughs> horse racing? No, literally horse racing. And uh, yeah, the horses kept dying, and so they canceled the show because On, pe- like during the course of filming. Yes. Peta, Peta didn't like it. Other people didn't like it. They do, canceled the show. Do racehorses die? Yes, a lot. I mean, besides like getting put down, I didn't realize they died over the course of their racing. Yeah, they die. It's really hard for them. Racing. We don't have time to watch TV. Aren't they being roided up? It, yeah, yeah, they get juiced and stuff. They're but... they're juiced and they have like abnormally large hearts and. Yep. Yeah. So well, well, so my other thing is also a show. Okay. The shocker. Because that's all we do. I mean, I have an excuse. We should just change the section to what we're watching. Yeah, TV shows we like. Uh, uh, my my other thing is uh, a show called Witcher. Oh, yeah. Witcher. Oh, that's with uh, Superman, right? With Superman. Yeah. That's right. It's with, good. With Henry Cavill. So I, I don't know. It is good. It's compelling. It's bad, though. Uh, it, it's bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard to follow at first. Yeah. The first episode is borderline uh in a different language even when it's in even when you know it's in english because some of it isn't another language i watch i i don't hear well so i always have subtitles on (laughs) 
<laughs> it, it's bored. I mean, it's just like, what are you talking about right now? And they, there was, it was a cold start. Like you just, you get dropped into it. There is no buildup, no introduction. It's, hey, we're here. But then you get into it and then you sort of start to make connections and you sort of, and now, now I, I really want to watch it. Now I'm like borderline wanting to stop recording so I can go watch an episode. Uh, you can wait. You're probably going to have to wait for Kim, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I... I uh, you should. Yes. yes. You should. That would be ill-advised to not. Okay. The Witcher. Fantastic. You should watch it. Wes, other thing, go. Uh, so I'm actually dabbling in uh, with, with Nootropics. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what that is. With what? Nootropics. Like, is that like a uh, health supplement? It, it is a supplement. Oh. It's basically for the brain. So I've been taking lion's mane mushroom a lot lately. Um, dabbling with cordyceps and reishi for what? for various different effects. But and psilocybin. Yeah, <laughs> this is like a Ken Kesey thing. <laughs> so, so those that know me well know I'm a big fan of Kevin Rose. He's um he's the guy behind Dig, um, but he started a podcast and he recently moved out to Oregon. He's he's like a, an investor dude. He does he's way smarter than than we are. But he invested in Watchville, right? Um, he actually was. I think he was one of the guys that started it oh. and then bought by Hodinkee or whatever. But um, so I'm a big fan of him. He kind of stepped away from the watch game a little bit and went into the whole tech entrepreneurship. Recently moved to Portland, Oregon. And he started growing his own mushrooms. <laughs> and uh, they're all like they're all nootropic mushrooms. As you do in Portland. Yeah. Right. Um, so he's been having he has his own podcast. So he's been having a lot of uh, guests on who are specialists in kind of natural remedies which I, I I tried not to talk too much about because when you think about like Eastern medicine, you're thinking, you know, snake oil. But for the most part, all of these doctors are from the U.S. and they they actually do proper uh, studies and see the actual health benefits and they gather real data um, as opposed to the Eastern practice, which is more anecdotal. Yeah. Um, so I've been I've been trying to experiment a little bit with the stuff that he's been talking about and. You know, some stuff is, I, I think, I, I don't feel anything, so I have to believe it's bullshit. But there are some things, like Lion's Mane, for example, that I do feel like my sentences form a little bit better. Uh, probably not when I'm when I'm drunk. So we just did a podcast. We've been having a little bit of alcohol, so it's not really working right now. But for the most part, <laughs> taking uh, taking some Lion's Mane every morning, it, it helps my brain kind of screw on a little bit straighter. So is I've been it, dabbling in that, doing a lot more research and, and reading white papers on that, so... I, is I, lion's mane a mushroom, or are you are you like are they out there like shaving lions in Africa? <laughs> no, it, it, it's a it's a mushroom. Okay, it's a type of mushroom. Yeah. I I'm down with either. Just and, to be clear, and 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 do you get high? No, you don't get high. It's not the high type of mushroom. Boo! <laughs> Pass. It's not. Yeah, it's not the psilocybin type, which oh. I think has its own benefits. But uh, we can get into that in a, in another episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I I did not expect to be talking about experimental mushroom use on this episode, so that's <laughs> that's a plus. Uh, yeah. Col- Colin, other thing, what do you got? Uh, I'll I'll steer the conversation back to TV shows. Uh, Fantastic. Whew. That's that's our comfort we're, zone. We're, we're, we, we just we uh, sigh of relief. Yeah, so uh, The Good Place uh, Dude. just came oh, back on air, so it's about to end season four, um, but the finale's coming up, so uh, I've been following following that really closely. It's a freaking awesome TV show. Do you, know, you think they're going to be able to bring it together in any sort of coherent sense? I, I, I have a lot of faith in Michael Schur, because he's... A I, genius. I, I loved all his, his TV shows, so uh, I think he'll do 
you know, a fantastic ending, but uh, a happy ending, uh, a good ending, a good place ending. So yeah, uh, I'm pretty excited uh, to see what happens. I haven't gone around to watching the first episode of, of when they just came back. So uh, do I just watched it? Uh, yeah. When it, when it came out on Thursday, very good. Yeah. This is it's one of my favorite TV shows that's been on network television. It's Ye- it's it's. It's awesome. Like, who, who, who are you? Uh, who's your favorite character? Ooh, favorite character has got to be Jason because Jason, yeah, Jason is is an absolute moron, but he's yeah. like this wild card. Like, he he doesn't just bring comedic relief. He brings a a superhuman, not superhuman, but a really human aspect to it, where all these other characters are they have a really clear purpose and he's just there. He's just there to bro down and blow shit up. And I love that, that part of it because everything else is so deliberate and he's, you just don't know what you're going to get out of that guy. Yeah. I think he's objectively the best character on the show. One, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think my, my favorite part about that show is how, uh, you, you know, r- really each season they have to sort of completely rewrite the rules of mm-hmm. the universe uh, you, you you know I can't think of another show quite like that where it's the same, it's the same thing that's happening, but in a completely different universe. Uh, you, you know, new rules, uh, new dynamics, you know, power dynamics. Uh, I think that's really fun. I think they've done a really good job with it so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm just can't wait for the ending. Get on the Hulu, watch it. <laughs> I'm gonna do that tonight. Actually, like right after this enjoy <laughs> well gentlemen we're gonna wrap anything else you want to add before we go um no just uh thank you guys i yeah. i want you guys to know that you contributed more than you think with especially with the sector field you uh i know like just to be transparent you guys didn't have any say in uh, in des- like specific design features but Again, back to that podcast you guys had, it really made us think a little bit harder. And I think that's a demonstration of how important it is uh, for people like you to do the things that you're doing. Uh, I, I just I want you guys to know that not only us, but other people are listening. People are creating and designing. Uh, we're, we're all paying attention to the stuff that you guys are saying. So, uh, so yeah, thank you guys for the work you do. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And thank you guys for the work you do. Speaking of which, tell these people who are listening today who maybe uh, don't know how the Google machine works, how to find you. Um, Instagram's our favorite, at Notice Watches. That's uh, N-O-D-U-S, Watches. Uh, we just started a new podcast called Long Roads. So that's Long Roads Podcast on uh, on Instagram. Which is a ton of oh, fun. We- that first episode I listened to, uh, really well done, you guys. There's a lot more debauchery that's gonna come after that, so don't don't get your hopes up. Uh, <laughs> we we have our own Instagrams as well. Mine is Wes underscore Quack W E S underscore K W O K, and uh, Cullen's is C U L L E N C H Cullen. Yeah, Cullen. Yeah. Um, you know, so Instagram is our favorite, but you guys can reach us on email or through our website forum. We're we're the guys behind the keys, so just. If you email us through our website, we're the ones that reply. Facebook, Instagram, that's all still us. And obviously, if someone wants to buy a watch, noticewatches.com. Yeah, but don't buy a watch. It's not worth it. Go go to someone else. <laughs> or or do and then send it to us. Or do and send it to you guys. Yeah. Give us, uh, give us a good review. Yeah. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for joining us for another episode of 40 and 20. Check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. 
Also, check us out on Patreon.com. That's where we get the support for the show. Uh, a very small donation on a monthly basis from you actually helps us pay for hosting, uh, pay for the ideas that makes Notice Watches come to life. Uh, <laughs> don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. Farewell.